Hello everyone, my name is Steven John. I'm a fan of Huddersfield Town for almost nine years now. Yeah. Hi Steven, how are you doing? I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm uh, doing fine. Yeah, how is it in uh, Malaysia? Well, currently now we are still in, we are in a partial lockdown. Uh, as for myself, because I'm involved in insurance, so we are considered part of essential service. So for me at the moment right now, it's, uh, you know, alternate days I'll be working from office and other days I'll be working from home. Okay, cool. So you're a bit of a Twitter football celebrity, man. Everyone has spoken <laughs> to you. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's an honor, but I wouldn't say consider myself a celebrity. <laughs> Everyone I've spoken to and I mentioned I'm, I'm doing a show with you. I said, hey, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, Sivan. You're known for your writing about Argentine football. Well, uh, previously I was uh, a blogger writing on Argentina's football for almost... Um, almost 10 years, more than 10 years. Started since the uh, 2006 World Cup because that was the World Cup when uh, blogging came to the picture. Right. Social media wasn't even uh, existence back then, even though I think there were some Friendster or MySpace or those kind of accounts. But, you know, it wasn't really that much prominent in football. When right. it comes to right. football, then the most uh, important element, of, uh, I would say the most important introduction in 2006 World Cup uh, was definitely blogging. So mm-hmm. that's when I got into it. And basically, I joined this blog uh, called Mundo Albi Celeste. Okay. And I've been writing for them ever since. Um, it's only uh, last couple of years, I decided to, you know, diversify my my stuff a little bit to talk on other things because I realized that there's so much to talk about. As I, I'm still passionate about Argentina. As I'm still what, what I am before, I still am now. Uh, it's just that now, you know, I'm... I have a lot more to see on other things as well. And you've got your own podcast as well. Yes, uh, I, I've just launched a podcast sometime in uh, February, early February this year. Okay. Uh, it's called The Bola Bola Show. I hope uh, everybody who's listening to this podcast will check us out. Definitely. I started it with my two best friends who we known each other for almost more than 20 years. It's just an idea that was conceived uh, while having a glass of in Malaysia we call Tetari. In India, I'm sure you call it Chaya. Yeah, yeah. Chai. So we were, you know, we're having it. Then we decided, you know, you know, we can we can sit down and talk football until the cows come home. Right. <laughs> we never really took the effort to document the things that we talk about. So let's, you know, let's just do a podcast. It was just, uh, you know, um, it was just an idea that was thrown around, and you know, suddenly it just became reality. And you know, we have done about. 13 to 14 episodes so far it's been going good we have a, a modest number so far not that great not that big to speak of but you know we we will continue to strive to get better but yeah i would encourage everybody to check us out and maybe if you have uh, you know a certain kind of topics that you want to discuss just bring it uh, just share with us you know we are open to any suggestion by the way lovely you did an episode about blackburn rovers i yeah, really yeah, enjoyed yeah, that yeah. i mean yeah, we, we, we did an episode on Blackburn. I think that was when we, we found that, you know, we that's where we realized that we can do something a little bit unique. Mm. Rather than, you know, starting another podcast to talk about all the latest news out there, which everybody else is doing, we decided to put a bit of a twist in whereby we focus on a particular season, on a particular team, mm. or a particular moment, a particular game, you know, sort of like a bit of nostalgic and all that. Yeah, yeah. A bit of a bit of old and new. That's That's what we're doing right now. I love those uh, that kind of thing because it, it's exactly those kind of conversations that you you have and uh, like you rightly said over a cup of chai. Yeah, it is. It is true. I mean, uh, you know, to be to be honest, we are not we are not journalists. 
Mm. We're not qualified journalists. We are not, you know, qualified uh, commentators or pundits, you know. But it doesn't mean we don't have a voice. You know, football is is a very, it's the most democratic game out there. It gives voice for everyone. You know, there was a time that when, um, you know, when journalists say something, pundit or commentary, commentators say something, it stops there. But now, you know, the game has changed. Yeah. You know, when they say something, it doesn't stop there. They're going to have to, if something goes wrong, they're going to face a backlash of millions of people yeah. who are listening to their conversation, following them on their on their respective social media. Some of it could be even career ending, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> how and why, how does it feel? Well, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long story, but I'll try to summarize it as much as possible. Well, in basically, in 2011, I, I went to, 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 to the UK to visit my uncle. Okay. Um, a bit of background about my uncle because... Uh, he was sort of like my footballing mentor. Okay. As a young kid growing up, I never really took interest in the game because okay. I, I was more interested in, in the Saturday cartoons that was very famous in the 1980s. But, you know, one day when I came back from uh, school, preschool, uh, he encouraged me to sit down and watch a very particular game, which is Argentina versus England from the 1986 World Cup. Okay. And watching uh, Diego Maradona's performance on that game blew me away. I became a football fan ever since, yeah. and that's how I fell in love with the game. Uh, a couple of years later, my uncle got married. He migrated to the UK, and at some point, we lost touch with him. We haven't spoken, completely lost uh, any connection for almost 20 years. Wow. And so when we managed to trace him and find him again, we started to you know talk again. I felt you know maybe it's a good idea if I were to go to go to go to UK and visit his family, sort of like build that bridge that was mm. long lost in our family. Um, it's just a normal, you know, uh, family reunion stuff and all that. And of course, you know, being in England at the time, I wouldn't want to miss miss it for the world to watch a football game in, in an English stadium, yeah. in particularly an English Premier League. Yeah. But as I was told, you know, tickets are not easy to get and could be quite expensive and all that. So there's a bit of challenge there. So what he suggested, you know, let's go and watch Huddersfield Town. Because that's where he was based. He lives in Huddersfield. Okay. And so one afternoon we went to watch. I went to watch a game, mm-hmm. which was a, a game between Huddersfield Town and Wickham Wanderers. The Huddersfield Town won the game three one. What captivated me most during that moment was that I was sitting there with my uncle, whom was very important to me, who, who taught me how to love football. And here I am watching a game with him, first time in the stadium. Because at that time. I was very still young, young to go to a stadium. So we never really had that opportunity. Mm. It was more like we get together in front of a TV watch. And now we're watching football in the stadium. Right. So after spending a couple of weeks on the flight, on the way back to Malaysia, mm. I talked talk to myself. You know, I never really had a club that I truly would like to follow okay. religiously. Okay. Growing up, I have admiration for all the, you know, your, your, your Liverpool, your Manchester United, your Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, AC Milan, you name it. I mean, the admiration is always there, but it never really turned me into something that, you know, I, I need to get the jersey every season. Mm-hmm. And I need to I need to follow them. I need to subscribe to them. I need to do this. I need to do that. It never occurred to me to do all that. Mm-hmm. It was just more like like a, like a long distance long distance fling. Okay. It was only on the way flight I realized, you know, I never really had a club to support. Why can't I just start supporting Huddersfield Town? In fact, you know, I didn't see it's a big problem. In fact, but I think it's a, it's a very unique thing for me to do. I mean, in a country where we are a country of 30 million people who love football, but, mm-hmm. but there's only one guy I, I, I dare to say, even till now, who only loves Huddersfield Town, and that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, that, that's how it all began. And since then, of course, I've been following them very closely. 
in whatever means is possible. Of course, uh, if you talk about live games, it's uh, it's a given. It's a give and take situation. Either it's there or not. Yeah. Otherwise, most of the time, it's on uh, social media updates or when, whenever it's possible, there is a live streaming. Yeah, that, that's how it is. So when you first saw them, they won the championship. And um, how were you able to keep in touch with them? Okay. First, first of all, when I first saw them, they were not even the championship yet. They were in League One. Oh. So, yeah. So they were still even a division lower. <laughs> Um, of, of course, at that time, uh, we hardly game. Obviously, there was no way we we're going to watch any League One fixture live in Malaysia. There's no way. There's a possible chance to might get championship fixtures, but not League One fixture. That's out of the question. So, for almost, uh, for almost about 10, 9, 10, 11 months, I can only follow the updates on Twitter. Okay. That's the only option I have. Okay, okay. Uh, but good news was on that season, the first season when I began to support them, they went through the playoff. They were in Wembley against Sheffield United. Okay. Um, that particular game, yes, I had the opportunity to... There was a live streaming available. I had to watch it. And it was such a nail-biting game because it finished goalless draw. It went on to penalties. Mm. And I remember when the last penalty whereby uh, the Sheffield United keeper, when he took the penalty, he, he shot it over the bar. I screamed in my house and everybody <laughs> got panic attack and shocked. Like, what ha- What happened? <laughs> And that's when I told him, you know, my, my team made it to the championship and all that. So, yeah, that's how it used to be back then. What was that match day experience like, man? Well, it's, uh, it's a really, very overwhelming experience. Yeah. Because uh, to realize that, you know, it's just a League One fixture. We're talking about, you know, two levels below. Yet, you know, this club seems to endure uh, the heart among the people in Huddersfield. Mm. In fact, uh, you know, for me, the whole... Uh, Moment started when we were gathering. In, I, I I can't remember the place, but it was in front of a subway shop in uh, in Huddersfield. Okay. Whereby we, as we were walking towards the stadium, we can see all the fans were walking together, and I couldn't believe, you know, even for a League One fixture, you know, there's so much a passion and support for this club. Mm. Here in Malaysia, you know, unless a team is doing well, then the crowd is there. Mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you're doing, a team is not doing well, often there's no crowd at all. Yeah. <laughs> you're left with only a tits and bits of pieces of people who I would say are loyal and diehard. Yeah. Whereas the rest, you know, they don't really appear. I, I mean, sad to say, you, you I mean, the, the term is glory hunter. I mean, sad yeah. to say that's what they are. Okay. They only will be there when the team is doing up. So that's yeah. the norm here. Yeah. So here I, I was really overwhelmed to see that, that whole experience. And, you know, it wasn't so different from your Premier League uh, mm. experience mm. because yeah. it's more or less the same. Uh, but it's just overwhelming to realize that this is a League One fixture and this is all happening. And yeah, it was it was one hell of experience. Was the history something you were interested in? Well, you know, as always, uh, it's always yeah, it's important to know when you start supporting a team. It's important to learn about their history, you know, their background and all that. And I was blown away to realize that Huddersfield Town had such an amazing history. Mm. Back in the 1920s, they were considered the biggest club in the world. Yeah. If, I, if I may say so, yeah. they were the first club actually to win three consecutive divi- uh, top flight league titles. Mm-hmm. Back then, of course, it was Division One. They were the first to do it. Okay. And to realize that, you know, a lot of, not many clubs have done it. There's only a handful of clubs. United, Liverpool, Arsenal, I think are the only clubs who have done it. Even City has haven't done it yet. If I'm not mistaken, if, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong here. No, I don't think so. so. Uh, so, you know, even, even you know, Chelsea, City, with, with all the money, the vast fortune they have, they are unable to do it. So to to to, to realize that Huddersfield Town is in a lead of its own. Wow, I was really amazed. And 
much to my also uh, amazement is the fact that um, in the entire history of Huddersfield Town, two influential managers in English football have managed them. Right. The first was Herbert Chapman. Yeah. Of course, when you mention the name, he's more prominently known for what he has done in Arsenal. Right. But what right. people don't realize that he had a lot of success with, with Huddersfield Town. Mm. And the other is Bill Shankling because yeah. before he took over Liverpool, he was actually Huddersfield Town manager as well. What's your earliest memory of the club then? Um, okay, if you ask me my first uh, memory of uh, first memory memory of this club, actually it was even way before I even attended that, that picture that day. Uh, this was because in in the early two thousands, uh, Steve Bruce was managing the club, and I think they were almost that close to make it to the Premier League. Yeah. But what caught my attention was the fact that at that time uh, there was a Thai football player by the name of Katisuk Ziko Sinamo. In Southeast Asia, he's a big superstar. So he actually was signed by Huddersfield Town. So oh. that's when my first sort of like intimate with the name Huddersfield Town came about. And, you know, that would be my first memory of them. I didn't realize back then that in years down the road, I will, attending, I will be attending one picture and I'm going to end up falling in love and supporting them for the rest of my life. I love that you said falling in love. In many ways, it's like a long distance uh, relationship. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. It is. I mean... Um, and I would say I'm not the only one mm. because uh, as the years gone by, as the years since I, st- I started following them, I realized there are little town fans almost everywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, there are some in Australia, there are Singapore, there are some in Thailand, United States, Brazil. You know, they're everywhere. There's even a dedicated Huddersfield Town account uh, in Indonesia. Oh. So, you know, to, you know, much to my surprise that, you know, this club actually did manage to, uh, you know, spread it wing globally without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, a large part of it is because of uh, fans who grew up supporting the club, who went overseas and work and right. settled down or something like that. But, you know, they left an incredible mark by being in all these places because it only goes to show that, you know, football, there's no boundaries. Yeah. There's no saying that, you know, how, how far you need to be in order to support a club. You know, especially in, in the in the age of technology that we are living today, where information is very readily available. Okay. Um, in fact, if I may share the story, back in 2000, I was watching this uh, football show called Football Mundial, and there was this interesting story about a group of Norwegian fans who su- support this club, Scottish club called Stainhouse Mule. Okay. Who I think up to that point have never made it out of the Scottish Sport Division. Wow. Yeah. So you know. Stories like this, it amazes me because as much as, yeah, it's the norm to say that, you know, support your local club, go and watch your local team. I get it. I understand that. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. But there's also another side of football where, you know, people are intimate and passionate about things that, you know, so far away because it captivates them in, in a way that you can't explain. Yeah. And I, I, this, this type of stories, it's, I'm glad that you are starting this podcast and capturing them. Who are... Huddersfield's biggest rivals? Well, you know, of course, our biggest rival is uh, Leeds United. Okay. Being a team from Yorkshire, so that's, that's one team that we always, you know, look uh, we always uh, look forward to play against them. Mm-hmm. So in terms of rivalry, it's always Leeds United. Of course, there's also a rivalry with Bradford, okay. being another team from Yorkshire. But um, throughout my time, I've, it's always been Leeds United, the most important fixture every season. That's the one. You've got a dog? Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Relax, it's fine. <laughs> That's my terrier, by the way. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, no, not really. <laughs> so tell me, uh, Sivan, who is your club legend? 
Well, in terms of our in terms of our modern day history, the the only legend that I would say universally is loved by the club is Andy Wood. Um, probably uh, not many people will recognize the name yeah. unless you you follow the Premier League in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. He used to play for Sheffield Wednesday. Okay. And I think he had a brief stint with Tottenham Hotspur. Okay. okay. So yeah, he he's always been considered the modern day hero of the club uh, because of the fact that you know he started his career. He's Huddersfield Town born, oh. played, started his career with Huddersfield Town. Uh, and then, uh, you know, was a very promising striker, future ahead of him. Of course, uh, he was there to help us to get promoted from what was then considered Division 2 to Division 1, which was by today's League 1 to Championship mm-hmm. in 1995. Okay. Uh, he stayed with the club for one, two years. But of course, uh, as the club couldn't progress any further, it was only obvious that a striker of his stature was going to move elsewhere. So he went on to play for Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, but uh, in the early 2000s, as his Premier League career was pretty much coming to an end, he returned back to the club mm-hmm. and he played for the club for another eight, nine years until he retired in 2008 or nine, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So <coughs> he, still, he, he still plays an ambassador role within the club. Right. Uh, does a lot of uh, <clears throat> sort of like uh, community works representing the clubs within Huddersfield, charities and all that. So he's pretty much a big part of the club. And, you know, when I started supporting Huddersfield, of course, I only knew the players who played in the last 10 years, yeah, more or less. Yeah. But whenever we talk about legends, whenever we ask, you know, who they considered, most of them will look at Andy Booth as the one player that they will look up to. I mean, despite the fact that we achieved so much in the 20s, but that's a long time ago. Many of us aren't even alive today <laughs> to really tell, you know, the story of what happened back then. So yeah, if you talk about legend, I would pin to him, Andy Boo. Yeah. You mentioned another one, um, Aaron Moy. Well, Aaron Moy, of course, uh, I would say, you know, for, for, for the brief moment he played with us, I think he became an instant legend. Um, when he was signed by David Wagner, in 2016, he instantly, you know, became what I would say our our Iniesta. Mm-hmm. The way he drives the midfield, the way he drives the ball and all that. And of course, uh, he was a, such an integral part of that team that got promoted to the Premier League and the team that actually survived in the Premier League as well. Yeah. Uh, when we gone down to the championship, it was only obvious that, you know, a player of his talent isn't going to stick with us. It was only obvious that when a good offer comes. And, and yes, you know, for us, Adesodan fans, we understand that. We, we know that. And so, yeah, I, I believe today he's, he's a Brighton player. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he had featured a few games where he, he was really making his mark for them. And, you know, to see what he does, we really miss him in our Adesodan shirt. And also not to forget the fact that um, being a prominent member of the soccer rules, mm. he also sort of like flew the Huddersfield tag on the international stage. Who was the player who you feel didn't get their due while at the club? Laurent Depertois, okay. our Belgium striker, who played for us during our Premier League years, but I think now has gone elsewhere. I can't remember where. Mm-hmm. I think he's in a French club or a Belgian club where he's back to regular scoring. He's scoring regularly again. Mm-hmm. But during when he was with us, you know, it's he did he did have his moment whereby he was really brilliant, but he did also had his other moments where you know he was completely. But it was, it was a very hot and cold situation. I, I kind of felt that, you know, we didn't really brought the best out of him. And I think the same goes for quite a few other players as well. I mean, I, I mean, if I could name, there's a whole lot of list of players that left the club mm. 
during that during that uh, our final year in the Premier League when elsewhere where suddenly out of nowhere they end up becoming so good. Mm. Uh, I kind of wish that maybe we could have got the best out of them, but circumstances didn't allow us. So you know that's that's how I would put it. A young player you're looking forward to seeing more of. Well, of course, uh, the one player that I'm—I uh, mean, there are two players that I believe that has tremendous amount of potential, and it's a good thing that the club actually brought them uh, this year. Even though yes, they are on loan, but no, no matter how you look at it, you know their talent is extremely well valuable to the club. The one player, of course, is uh, Chris Willock, who is a striker. He—he uh, he was in Benfica B for for a few years. He did very well there at Arsenal Academy. So and I'm hoping that maybe you know he can give us some you know some edge up front and another player also an Arsenal academy if you don't uh, if if you have heard of, of him Daniel Smith Rowe yes. an attacking midfielder very creative very you know brilliant midfielder I think uh, you know that a lot of that creativity edge that we felt that we we're going to lose by when Aaron Moy left us you know he came in has done you know a great job for us so yeah I'm hoping you know the the current managers the Cowley brothers will be able to get the best out of them. And you know, hopefully, it could be a value added for the club. Yeah, tell me more about the uh, the managers, the Cowley brothers. Okay, um, we, you, you, I'm sure you heard about football managers. Yeah, you know, we have seen many great stories of people who out of football managers. But how often have you heard of people who play football managers who end up end up becoming actual football managers? Yeah. That's the Cowley brothers. <laughs> You know, when when uh, when I heard about them, also it was a bit of a surprise because uh, you know I mean I've heard they've done some amazing things while they were managing at Lincoln, but the one story that really blew my mind off was the fact that they actually started their managerial career or the idea of being football managers was actually proof about that actual game itself, mm. wow. and it was from that game whereby they developed you know their 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 skill their knowledge on how to manage teams and all that and it brought it to them in the real world, mm. and here they are with Huddersfield Town so. For me, it was like wow, you know. My, when it comes to when it, I, it's something that amazes me that my club when they do something, it's something that is out of the blue, out of nowhere, and it just hits you right. And, and you know, it creates this wonderful impression. Yeah. You know that you just cannot unbelievable. And much to the surprise of everybody, you know, they really helped rejuvenate the club when it was badly needed. When David Wagner left us, we were in a situation where you know the club was really on a, morally everything was really on a low. And of course, you know, subsequent months, you know, we got relegated from the Premier League to the, you know, to the Championship. And the sad part was, you know, the 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 impression that everybody was getting out of Huddersfield Town. It's like we wasted our time being in the Premier League. Other teams could have done better. You know, my question is, if other other teams could have done better, why are they there? We are here because we took our opportunity. We we got through the system whereby the playoff and all that, and that's why we are here. And even our first season, you know, we made quite a good impression. We beat United at home. You know, we did something. Uh, but of course, you know when it came the second season, you know that elitist mentality among some Premier League fans. Yeah. It's like you know that the world revolves around the top six, but everything else beside that is 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 not our world. It's a different world. Yeah. You know they don't deserve to be here. Yeah, well that's kind of that's that's a different another story altogether. So you know as we were starting our new sort of like our new chapter in the championship, um, things didn't go down well with our previous manager who was also another Borussia Dortmund protege. Mm. I mean, we thought, you know, with Wagner coming in, you know, we, we could follow, we replicate back the same template, but that's never going to happen with Jens Seward. So, it was only, it was only critical that, you know, that our chairman had to make a decision by sacking him and bringing these two brothers on board. 
and it quickly rejuvenated the club. Mm. It quickly brought us, you know, it quickly re. It, it brought me back that that same feeling I had when Wagner first came to the club. That that sort of that feeling, you know, mm. that the enthusiasm among the fans also started to grow. And you know, the team is even playing better. Yeah. We are playing the kind of football that where we can really be proud of the team. Mm. You know, when David Wagner came, we were playing that you know that that hard pressing, dragon pressing football. Yeah. yeah. That you know that Borussia Dortmund style and all that, you know, it it really worked. That but when suddenly when we were in the Premier League, when we were playing against opposition that were overwhelmingly more powerful than us, we sort of regressed. We sort of lost a little bit that spirit. And it's good to see that under the Crowley brothers, we are going in back in that direction because I think that's what fans ultimately want. Sometimes you know it's not about the result; it's about a team that you can be proud of. And that's one thing I learned about other school town fans is that you know you know it's not about result, win, lose, or draw. You know that's that's one thing. But at least we want a team that plays football, that that once they came on the field to play football, show the fans that we are here playing football, not you know sitting duck at the back, you know observing pressure and all that. And then when you can see the goal, you start to struggle, you know, to find a way to get an equalizer. You end up conceding more goals. Yeah. So yep, that's 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 about the Crowley brothers that I can share. And another interesting point was you know when we played Leeds United, yeah. we lost the game. But an interesting moment happened right after the game. Marcelo Bielsa went and approached one of the Cowleys mm. and he asked the other other brother to come and he, because he wanted to talk to them. He told them that uh, in January, you you because of you two, the team will Harasul Town will go up. Wow. Especially what he meant was that when in January when we are about to make some serious investment in the team, because as you know, with a new manager, definitely will have ideas of trying to bring in. He actually saw potential yeah. in in the Cowley brothers that you now Harasul Town will go up. Well, we have not gone up as much as we would like to, but you know, we really took a few notch up. You know, I think our uh, prior before this whole pandemic thing, you know, things were starting to build again. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a sense of aura that we could actually we could we will survive in the championship, but maybe there's a possibility we might crack the playoff. But you know, that's remained to be seen. One game that left you elated, and one game that left you completely disappointed. Well, if I were to pick the one game that disappointed me was definitely when we were playing against West Ham United. Mm-hmm. It was one game that I thought, you know, that we could have won. We were winning 4-1. And, but unfortunately, you know, West Ham United came back and won 5-4. That game completely left me devastated. Something that I will never forget. Although I, although there are many other games that we lost badly. But, you know, those are games where, you know, it, it just happened. So, you know, I, I, can, I, I can expect that. You know, because we we played against a much superior side, so we lost. Yeah. You know, those are games where we really had a bad day, so we lost. But this is one game whereby you know we had victory in our hands, but somehow already it just got snatched away. It got snatched away at a very very last minute, courtesy of a Chakarito goal. Well, uh, that's that's something that you know. Uh, I think I look back it in a how do I say in a sweet and sour feeling because you know it was such a sweet game for me, but at the same time it ended in such a sour note. I mean, what to do? Yeah. But you talk about a game that really left me happy forever. I would say it's definitely that that day in Wembley against Reading. Mm. It's one game that I think uh, you know. Not, nevertheless, no doubt it was a goalless draw. No doubt it was a penalty shootout. But it's one game that whereby I virtually couldn't sleep the whole night after the game. Yeah. I was struggling to sleep because of the anxiety, the excitement. There was, you know, the, all that that chemical fluid going through your body yeah. after that game. I couldn't sleep the whole night, and the next morning I had to go to work. Yeah. And best part was, you know, that the days after that I getting. Calls from some local newspaper, you know, uh, we we heard you're a Huddersfield Town fan. We want to talk to you. Wow. You know, there's a newspaper article on me written in one of the one of our local dailies, full wow. page of me. 
Yeah, so that's game. That game I will never forget. I'll never forget. I mean, despite the fact that um, for whatever said and done, what our Premier League experience, but just to be there, I think means a lot. Means a lot. And, you know, when people ask me, yeah, when you know, hopefully one day Arsenal Town will be in the Premier League. I never believed that. Mm. I always said, well, you know, nah, it's not going to happen. Mm. Because the people need to understand that you know the the, the stature of our club. Mm-hmm. We're such a small, we're a very small club. You know, a very um, how do I say a traditional English football side. Right. You know, unlike the the Premier League, all the razzmatazz that goes around, we don't really have that. Uh, it's just that that one season when David Wagner came in, everything fell into place. You know, um, maybe there was an element of luck behind it, mm. but. It, it all fell at the right place at the right time and everything went perfectly well and it could have it, it could have ended on a disappointment note if we didn't win that penalty and made it to the Premier League because I always believe that it's either now or never. If we never made it, then we're not going to make it forever. But yeah, we made it. So that, that's one game I'll never forget. I, I got to know this uh, friend of mine who lives in Australia and it so happened that when Australia played Syria in a World Cup qualifier, as you know, because Syria, you know, the, the, the war-torn problem in their country, they were not allowed to play their home fixture there. So what happened was that first leg fixture was actually played here in Malaysia, in Malacca, the state where I was born. But uh, because it, it clashed with my work schedule and all that, I wasn't able to attend the game. Otherwise, I could have actually met Aaron Moy in person because this friend of mine actually had, uh, you know, passes to go backstage and meet, meet the players and all that. But uh, that didn't happen. But what happened was I... It's a funny story because when I knew that he was coming, I knew that I couldn't meet him in, in Malaysia because he's somewhere, I'm somewhere. Mm-hmm. So what happened was about a couple of weeks before the picture, I actually delivered my jersey to him in Australia, Melbourne. And he picked it up from Melbourne, brought it to Malaysia, got it signed, took it back to Australia and delivered it back to me. <laughs> Wow. So yeah, that's one uh, memento that uh, I mean I have not worn the jersey since then. The jersey is just hanging in my closet uh, because I said no, this is this is not a jersey that I'm going to wear it forever. Yeah. Wow. But if you talk about that's that's another, another memento. Uh, maybe I didn't share with you yeah. was that uh, before the 2018 World Cup, uh, we had this sort of like a pre World Cup event here in Malaysia where Hernan Crespo was in town. Oh. And this time, I made it a point that I'm not going to miss anything, mm. no matter what. And thank God it was on the weekend. It was on a Saturday weekend. So, I, a friend of mine said to me, you know, come at this hour and all that. They're having this, this and all that. So, I was there. It turns out that event was supposed to be meant for journalists and some VIPs. But somehow or other, I was sitting inside that circle. that People didn't realize that I'm an outsider. But I just kept quiet, kept cool, just pretended like, you know, everything is normal, okay. So as soon as when the whole event was over, <clears throat> people inside that circle were allowed to go and meet the players, get signed jersey and all that. Wow. And I actually managed to get my jersey signed with him and took a picture with him. Yeah. Superb. So you posted as a journalist. <laughs> let's, let's just say I was uh, in investigating journalists, undercover journalist or something. <laughs> <laughs> what has this journey of being a Huddersfield fan meant to you? What has it brought to you in your life? Well, one thing has brought to me is uh, the humility, the humility and humbleness. Because you know, I'm not supporting a big fancy club with who can afford to spend you know hundred million every season buying big names and all that. So you know, it, it brought me back to life about what football should really be. 
you know that you know that connection with the people on the ground the connection with the fans the connection with the community mm. i sometimes wonder whether is that that such relationship still exists among the big clubs yeah. because they become so commercialized so i know over the top you know whether they are they kept ground with what's happening with the communities around them i i'm not i don't know maybe i, I could be wrong maybe right. i could be right but this is one thing i learned about hartfield and you know as for as much as you know the temptation is there for people you know to say that you know hopefully you know somebody will buy over the club mm. but i always realize you now for the fans you know this will come and i and i have to be in agreement with them they don't want that yeah they still want their club to be renamed what it is you know that connection with the with the community you know that bond must be still there and yes you know we have an owner who may not be uh, someone with a very deep pocket mm. but he's just like one of us a fan yeah you know when you hear his stories you you know uh Mr. Phil Hodgson who is our chairman when you hear his stories you know he's just like one of us a friend yeah. and even the, the previous chairman you know the, the previous chairman he spent the club for nearly over 10 years Mr. Dean Hoyle mm. he came into the club uh, right at the end of 2008 or 9 and you know it was under his 10 years journey as a chairman of the club he took the club from being this very traditional classy english side to you know from league 1 to championship to the premier league and all that all doing you know it was all that journey and you know when i hear their stories that connection with the club you know it that's extremely important which you know whether we like it or not you know liverpool owner doesn't really have it with the club you know the abu dhabi doesn't have it with city or even you know saudi arabia doesn't have it with newcastle yeah. because what their decision is purely commercial business driven decision there's a lot of pr involved this is very pure it's pure passion and pure football you know technology has really brought us together brought the whole world shrink the entire world you know nowadays it seems like um, you know even a big club say you know your your barcelona real madrid it's not that far away yeah. it's almost like you know at the tip of your your finger it's right yeah. there and you know it, it's as much as um, as much as it it become very toxic in a way but to see that you know you have this el clasico rivalry which has a story which is uh, evolved around you know the, the the spanish and the catalonians and all that but it's developed into a global warfare yeah. you know you have you have countries like say india where you have barcelona real madrid fans you know bickering with each other almost as if you know they are catalonia or, or madrid people are born in madrid themselves yeah. and you have this and, and it happens in every country yeah. you know it's like and you know as much as i think you know I, you know people find it absurd you know why would you be bickering on this and something is far away but I, i also looked at it from a different perspective that you know this is what you know this club has uh, have a, a profound effect on people yeah. you know i mean at the end of the day uh, it's 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 uh, put it this way you know mcdonald may be a, an american product mm. but it has a huge effect on people all over the world right. everybody wants to have that one moment where they can go to mcdonald and buy a burger and i think that's what football is today everybody wants to have a piece of something yeah. you know it can be something made locally it can be something made internationally i don't know what it is but everybody wants to have a piece of something everybody wants to be a part of something and as for me you know just to be involved as a fan for so far away with harshfield town for me that's my sense of belonging yeah. that's where I, i i find that comfortness i find that that that, that little bit of you know that that good feeling and excitement feeling that you know it doesn't happen in often other other times and same thing goes for how you know that the support i had for argentina you know that that's where my comfort is that's where you know i i lean upon i find that the sense of belonging there 
I, it doesn't, it's not going to say that I don't like anything else. I, I don't support my own national team or the clubs that are here. I do. I do. But, you know, again, it's it's a, it's a very mysterious feeling out there. And I think that, you know, technology has really invoked that feeling to a different level that today you're starting a port on there. I'm talking to you. And, and it's, it's just going to, it's just going to brew more things. You know, you never know where this thing is going to take. Well, man, Sivan, thank you so much for being on Farway Fan. I hope you had fun. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. It was a real pleasure talking to you. I mean, when I saw your pod, I knew I had to be on the show. No matter <laughs> one week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you got in touch. I was so glad to see your message. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, I can uh, maybe come on your show. I don't know what I'll talk about. This is all I know, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, we definitely want to hear more of your experience because the fact that you are now engaging with the world, with people from all parts of the world, supporting all clubs from so many different places. I mean, we definitely want to engage with you more on that topic. Sure, man. I'd be happy to contribute. Uh, thanks, Sivan, once again for being on the show. Yeah, most welcome. Yeah, and I wish uh, you, Huddersfield, and the Cowley brothers the very best. I'm very eager to see where Huddersfield ends up at the end of this strange season of ours. Yeah. Yep. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Thanks, Ivan. Take care, man. <laughs>